0: also some t-shirts, uh, Those t-shirts are silk screen. these are embroidered, these are done at the Lincoln Center where our guys who are with me today come from and uh, they'll tell you what they think they're worth out there and, and if, you will, uh, if you will purchase these, all proceeds will go to the impact group today, they didn't know that and they're going to tell their boss and I'm going to get in trouble, but that's the way it is. Anything you give will be, will be going to your impact folks today. God bless you. And there's you one. You can trade it out for one that uh, you might like out there. That's, that. We've got some red, yes. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow, I forgot where I was. Huh? <laughs> what a joy it is. Adult and Teen Challenge is a one-year residential Christian discipleship ministry that reaches those with life-controlling problems, especially those with drug or alcohol addictions. God has allowed us since 1972 here in Alabama to reach thousands of individuals who have those problems and are seeing results. Recently, the uh, Evangel University of Springfield, Missouri, did a a research and found that Teen Challenge still has a 78% success rate for those who graduate our program. So we're thankful that God gives us the opportunity to touch the lives of individuals. I became executive director in 1999, left in 2002. While I was in another position, I served as interim director for three and a half years, then when I move from that position they said I retired I said I quit but I but I I enjoyed the retirement gifts anyhow and so so I came back on board and later was elected to be chairman of the board and then they asked me again to return as executive director for this one final time and I can assure you of that but recently we lost our director program director in the Selma center and I became the interim Program director. So I'm holding one or more jobs. I don't know how many it is. Don't want to count because I'll probably get scared and quit doing anything at all. But I'm thankful that God has allowed us to grow to four centers across the state of Alabama. We have a men's center in Baymanette, a men's center in Selma, a men's center in Lincoln, and a ladies' center in Hayden. We're thankful that we have graduates who are are involved in all of these programs, and they are um, actually directing the three uh, programs we have. I am one of three employees out of 35 who did not go through the program. So we're seeing people's lives changed, and I'm so thankful that you can be a part. I come to a church like this for three reasons number one we're here to let you know that we're here when you need us because someday you will it may not be you it may not be a relative but it could be a friend or a co-worker or someone who's going to need someone to touch the lives of those with addictions Secondly, we're here to bless you with the testimony and with the word of God. And thirdly, we're here to get all of God's money out of your pocket that we possibly can for the ministry of Alabama Adult and Teen Challenge. Uh, Dave Wilkerson's name was mentioned here. Our chairman of the board lives in Auburn. He is an attorney in the city of New York. He was saved under the ministry of Dave Wilkerson at Times Square Church. He is a Puerto Rican descent and a wonderful man of God, ordained minister with the Assemblies of God, and doing a tremendous work as the chairman of our board. So I'm thankful for what David Wilkerson did back in those days. I was at Boutwell Auditorium in 1972 when he came in and spoke to sort of launch the Birmingham Teen Challenge Center that was in the west end of Birmingham, and I Listen to him as he shared his burden and what God could do in lives. Uh, Brother Lynn shared Nikki Cruz, but there was a lady by the name of Cookie Rodriguez who also wrote a book, Please Make Me Cry. And Cookie Rodriguez was sitting in church after having been raised from the dead. She was lying on a gurney in an emergency room, when her mother looked through the door, mother was Roman Catholic, looked through the door and saw them tying a toe tag, identifying her as dead. And Mrs. Rodriguez turned her face to the wall and said, God, if you will let my daughter live, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And Cookie Rodriguez came back to life. The single goal in her life was to walk down the aisle of a church in her Wedding, white wedding dress, but she had forfeited that privilege many times over previous years. So she was sitting in church, the preacher was preaching, and she asked God, God, if you're really real, and if you will save me, please make me cry. And tears began to stream down her face, not for moments, not for an hour. Not for a day, but for days she cried uncontrollably as God was preparing her heart for him to come in and save her from her sins. And Kuki Rodriguez was saved. She was one of those gang members in New York in the early days of David Wilkerson. That's what God does, and God does it very well. I'm thankful to be a part challenge and thankful for you and for your participation and especially for your prayers if you will pray for us god will intervene and touch lives got a couple of guys with me who are going to give their testimonies have an intern you don't know what an intern is with teen challenge that's the nearest thing you'll ever see to a slave Aaron, would you stand i mean evan would you just stand let them see you uh Evan Evan is a graduate. He stays on for very little money, room and board, and we just work him like a dog. Guys, would you come, and would you share with us this morning?
1: Good morning. Uh, So my name is Justin Wilson. Oh, I'm from Dothan, Alabama. If nobody knows where that's at, it's down at the very bottom Y'all for letting us come out today, it really means a lot. I love being able to come out and and be able to give my testimony on what God's done for my life. And you never know if it reaches one person in the ministry, then that's some that's you know God left the God left the 99 so that He could get me. I was that one that He reached out for. So if I'm able to reach out for Him and be able to touch one person, then I feel like I'm doing something for the kingdom. So. Uh, about my background, you know, I didn't really, I didn't have it too hard coming up. My father wasn't in the, he wasn't in the house, you know, he was in and out of jail and prison and, you know, the streets, and so it, that really, that really hit me on a big impact of, like, acceptance of myself, because uh, my mom, she was always, you know, she was doing the best that she knew how, and her, rebellious child. Oh my granddad, you know, he was he was the closest thing to a father figure that I had. And he done a very well job, except for whenever him and my mom were button heads, and, you know, he had to he had to kind of distance himself. But I do know I do know that everything that I've walked through has led up to me coming to Teen Challenge. Alright. Everything didn't find anywhere that I would fit in, so, oh, the age of 12, I ended up being introduced to marijuana, and from that point, I thought I had the best friends I ever had, when really it was just a cloud in my mind that the devil had put there, so, from maybe 12 to 15-ish, you know, I didn't I didn't hang out with you if you wasn't doing drugs, oh, anybody that was not on So at the age of 15, I found a group of friends that I thought, you know, was friends, but we were really just, I mean, there was nothing good going on. Started learning to oh, move and steal things and, you know, all to support my drug habit and to keep the party going, really. But so it came to multiple, uh, multiple arrests. I went through multiple, you know, juvenile treatments and things like that stuck I thought you know okay I'm gonna get through this and I'm gonna get back out there and I'm gonna see my boys that's what I'm gonna do well up until the age of 18 I became an adult and you know all the juvenile stuff was over with so I went to big boy jail and it uh I went for my first time as soon actually right before I turned 18 I was still on juvenile probation but oh I went to jail and I was close enough to 18 that they uh after that, you know, I thought my whole life was over. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the stereotype. I'm going to do, I'm going to be exactly like they thought. You know, I'm going to turn out like my daddy did. Well, I can stand here today and say that it didn't turn out like everybody thought it would because God pulled me out of the hellfire. So I can say that I've had multiple arrests since then. And I mean multiple because I just, I went all the way with, kept finding different people that, you know, I thought I was fitting in with, and it just, I don't know, it, it turned to a massive destruction. So I went to jail one time, and I had to sit there for six months. I thought I was doing, you know, everything that I could do because I had bought me a trailer, bought me a truck. You know, I, I thought I had everything when really I didn't have anything, but there was still there was still a hole inside of me with having all of that, that, I don't know, I just wasn't happy. There was there was nothing about my life that I enjoyed. So, I ended up in jail, and everybody was living in, you know, the people that I thought were my friends, they were living in my trailer, they were living, you know, driving my vehicles. Mine and one dude that I was hanging out with, you know, he he put a little bit of money on my book, so I thought he was still a friend. Well, that quit I got saved in jail during that time period, in a lockdown cell by myself. I didn't know anybody else to turn to. Wouldn't nobody pick up the phone? Uh, Nobody was coming up there to see me. You know, I thought I was all alone. I started reading the Bible because somebody in jail told me that God can help (laughs) you with anything that you're going through. And I was like, you know what? I've heard this before, so I'm going to try it. So I started reading and reading and reading. And I don't know, it's like, Actually, it was March 13th of 2019. I remember the exact day because I sat down in the floor with one of my, the lockdown cell cellmate. I sat in the floor crying, just balled up, like just, I don't know, I was broken. It was the most joyful tears that I've ever had in my life. When I recognized that God accepted me as I was, and I didn't have to, I didn't have to put on a show for him, I didn't have to try to fit in with him. I didn't have to do anything except for just stand there and accept his love. And it was, I don't know, it was was the best feeling I could ever get. I ended up getting out of jail, you know, a few months after that. Oh, I still went back to doing my same old thing. After a period of time, you know, I stayed clean for a while. I thought I was doing the right thing, you know, but I wasn't staying in church. I wasn't staying in the word like I should have. I was like, you know what, I'm cured, I got God, I'm good now, I got this. How many knows that it don't work like that? So, I did. sadly, I did end up relapsing in four days. This is how I know that God never takes his hand off of you once you come to meet him. I relapsed, and four days later, I was back in jail. Now, I had got out previously on probation, and the judge told me that if I ever see you again in front of me right here, haven't completed your probation you will go up the road for the rest of your time so I went back in front of him again with a violation but also with nine more charges this is how big God's working okay I'm telling you like I was one point away from going to prison before and I came in front of him with you know multiple extra charges I remember praying the prayer in jail I was like Lord you brought me back to where I made a promise to you I'm sorry your forgiveness all the time I know Psalm I learned this verse while I was in there it's Psalm 32 verse 5 it says I acknowledge my sin to you and my inequity I did not hide I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin so my time in jail at that point was the most I found the most peace that I had ever found like that Me laying on the floor crying that one time wasn't nothing compared to the peace that I felt then because I knew that he had not taken his hand off of me. So I was able to start Bible studies and stuff in jail, and I remember praying the prayer, you know, Lord, I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to follow you this time because I can't do it on my own. Then I got introduced to Teen Challenge. I went in front of the judge, and the judge argued with the DA about me going to Teen Challenge and granted it wanted to still send me up the road, but God wasn't going to have it, so I even did a whole year at Teen Challenge, and at the end of it, still thought, okay, you know, maybe I have this, I didn't have it, God humbled me again, who knows that sometimes it hurts whenever God humbles you, but I can stand here today, and be able to say that if I wouldn't have been humbled then, there ain't no telling where I would be now, because I'm going through second part of my old oh, you know my time in teen challenge and i'm just i'm doing what john 14 one says you know it says be not troubled you trust in god trust also in me so i'm trusting in jesus to take me through this until i can find my place in the church and i just want to thank y'all <laughs> mr ryan Ray,
2: for everybody Okay, I know where I'm at, so I'm not going to tell you I worry. so roll tight, but I really don't mean it. <laughs> My name's Ryan. Uh, I've been in Teen Challenge about nine months now. I um, share a verse for y'all uh, from Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will meet, even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Um, so that's that's kind of the verse, my life verse right now. My story is one of being deceived and running from God. I don't know if uh, any of you ever run from God, <laughs> but uh, you see where I'm at today. Praise God. Um, thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. Deceived people don't know they're deceived. You know, we run around here doing stuff we think's right, and you're just, just running. So I felt, I felt differently in my whole life. I was running in crowds that I, I knew I shouldn't be in. Um, drugs and alcohol were a normal practice. I had a good family, a good loving family. You know, um, my mom and dad were. Basketball game, every baseball game. Uh, I come up, you know, with every opportunity you have, and, and for some some part, made the best of them. I went and got an education, uh, started my career, but all the while I was doing drugs and drinking, and it was fun in high school, you know, it was fun in college, but it becomes, it takes your soul after a while. I was at the age of 27, I had a little girl, and still, still out there doing that. I called myself trying to get clean, but to no avail. So I just kept running from God, kept running from God, and like the story, Brother Ed said that I asked God to uh, show up if He was real, and uh, He did. He did, and so. I got saved in 2015 I was clean for for two and a half years I had fiance um, my daughter my stepdaughter from from outward appearance I was I was doing well but still felt empty inside still didn't have revelation of the word so in 2017 when my fiance decided she she wanted to leave I just I was ashamed to tell my church I was ashamed to tell anybody I was struggling and so I just resided that I was going to be a drug addict and alcoholic. That's what I was going to be. That's what I was. So I turned my back on God and run for three more years. From the outward appearance, I, I had everything going on. You know, I had my daughter. I had the house, the job, the things that the world say make you successful. But I was uh, spiraling down, spiraling down. And in 2020, um, I had an epic meltdown. I mean, I lost two jobs that, that anybody would kill for. got arrested a couple of times, and this last time I got arrested, my family wouldn't come buy me out until I agreed to get help, and I didn't want to get help. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't want to come to Teen Challenge. I I At that point, my perception of reality is so warped, I don't even think I believed in God, uh, to tell you the truth, but I just wanted to get out of jail when I came here I'm bit, I did I didn't want to be here and so but since I've got the teen challenge every relationship that I've wrecked that I destroyed has been restored like there's so much overwhelming evidence of the presence of God you know I just want to get up here and shout hallelujah because I know he's real now like how can you argue with the fact that you destroyed everything in your life you destroyed everything lost everything. And it's all been restored right here in front of my face. And so my message to you is one of hope. If, if anybody's out here in addiction, my, par- my parents, my, my mama, my, my sister, they prayed me in Teen Challenge. I didn't know. Behind the scenes, they were praying me the whole time. My mama said a week before I got arrested this last time that she prayed that, that God would put something in my way. So, so don't give up on your family. If anybody's struggling with addiction, you family members, don't give up on them. Keep praying for them. Thank
0: you. Amen. Thank you, guys. We can multiply that um, over and over and over again. Of God's intervention in individuals' lives and touching them by his power. so merciful and he's so forgiving. He touches lives. A lot of people who come through Teen Challenge, as uh, in Justin's case, needs um, more attention. Uh, and so we offer that. If someone comes out of our program and relapses, uh, we take them back and we allow them another opportunity to work with us until they get their lives to Not only that, but we have a men's and ladies' transition home. The men's home was, in McCullough, we're now developing a new house for them. These are individuals who graduate our program, have no place to go, or who would like more care given to them by us. Our ladies' home, a couple renovated an old antebellum home in uh, Brundage, Alabama, handed Get a job, pay back into the program, so it is self-sustaining. And so we're very thankful for what God has done and what he continues to do. John says in his first epistle, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God. text comes from a man who leaned on Jesus' breast and was loved by the Lord, and there's a constant theme through his books about love and God's love for each of us, but there's also a theme that goes beyond our love for God because loving God and loving man is inextricably tied together. If I say that I love God and do not love my brother, the same writer says, there's no love in me. So I'm thankful that God ties me into a relationship with you that while I am loving him vertically, I can love you horizontally and we can walk together in his abundant love. We love him he first loved us. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. I was sitting uh, down here before church service sort of reminiscing about this building because I pastored a church that was built much like it. Matter of fact, all the wood and all the, everything looked a whole lot like there are several across the state of Alabama that look like this in the Assemblies of God, but this was in the city of Selma. I'd gotten there just after the Civil Rights Act was passed and everything was taken care of in that area and also at the very end of the Charismatic Renewal. I asked if there was a ministerial association. I wanted to join, but they wouldn't accept me because I speak in tongues. They didn't accept the blacks because they were black, and they didn't accept those who didn't believe in the infallibility, total inerrancy of the word of God. So it was just a very small group of people who apparently loved one another. But what did it say to the community that they wouldn't take a Pentecostal, they wouldn't take someone of another race, they wouldn't take those who didn't believe just like they did, and they weren't going to do anything to try to help them change their theology. I was sitting in the basement of Brown's Chapel AME Church, and the pastor of the Reformed Presbyterian Church, which was an all-black congregation except for he and his wife, who were blonde-haired, blue-eyed Scandinavians and their little doorstep children, He looked over at me, and he said, Ed, would you tell me, please, how you believe in the Holy Spirit baptism and speaking in tongues? And I I said, well, Bob, I'll be more than happy to. I'm going to share with you Scripture, and I'm going to share with you my experience. He said, well, before you do, let me tell you, I'm building a sermon against it. I said, well, whatever you do with it is totally up to you. The Church of Christ preacher slid back like a bolt of lightning was going to come through the Roof at any time and kill us all. And so I began sharing with him just exactly how I felt and what God had done in my life. And I stopped. I said, Dr. Gary Fagan, Pastor of Oakdale Baptist Church, is sitting to your left. Ask him about people who speak in tongues in his church. And Fagan said, If everybody spoke in tongues like the ones who speak in tongues in my church, I wish my whole congregation would speak in tongues. I said, Looked down the other end of the table, and there was the rector of the Episcopal church talking to the pastor of the First Baptist Church. I said, Bob, go ask them. They each have people who speak in tongues in their churches. He came to church the next Sunday night. I'm sitting on the platform watching he and his wife and those little doorstep children come walking down the aisle, and I whisper a prayer in my breath, God, give him everything you got. Everything Pentecostal that could happen happened that night in church, and it was because I was willing to share with him regardless of our differences in theology. For if we cannot love one another, how are we ever going to love those who are outside the wall? those who have addictions, those who have life-controlling problems, those who have lifestyles that are not in line with the Word of God. So we must love God, and we must love one another. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on this hinges all the law and the prophets. God wants us to love the unlovely. Now, that's a good place to say amen. But probably the silence said, you've got a problem with it. If you've got a problem with it, take it up with God. I'm just bringing the message. Beloved, John said, let us love one another, for love is a God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. And then he continued to say, he that dwelleth in love dwells in God. Now, it's not hard for me to love God. I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He's the one who created man in his own image and then took a rib from his side and created woman so that she might be a helpmeet unto him and gave them the ability to have offsprings that would replenish the earth. I love the God who created everything, and I love the God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. It's not hard for me to love Jesus who came and not only gave his life, but gave it freely so that I might have life and I might have that life more abundantly. It isn't hard for me to love Jesus because of what he's done in my life. And what he's willing to do if I will have faith to believe that he will heal me of all diseases and infirmities. But get this. I love Jesus because one day I'm going to look up when there's a sound from heaven. And I'm going to be taken away from the gravitational pull of planet earth. And I'm going to meet the dead and the Lord in the clouds. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. It isn't very difficult for me to love the Trinity because I know in whom I believe and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know my Redeemer lives. But how you doing with loving one another? I mean, vertical is pretty good. But what about horizontal? How can we love one another? And how can we love those who are outside the walls and outside the security of God's grace and his church? How can we bring ourselves to love? Well, Love has a multiplicity of of, uh, definitions, but let me just bring it down to three. Too often, you and I come to the conclusion that I will love you if, if you're what I want you to be 100% of the time, if you do what I want you to do 100% of the time, if you will act like I want you to, If you will fail to go to places of ill repute and touch the lives of individuals who need the power and the love and the grace of God. When I was here before, I probably shared a story about my friend, Matt Gober, who when he got saved, went into the bars right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and would talk a drunk sober. him to say he wanted to be saved but not knowing what to do with him dragged him down to the little Nazarene church parsonage and at three in the morning on Sunday morning knocked on the door now pastor you know you and I both know Sunday morning is not a good time at three and the pastor would shuffle to the door in his pajamas what do you want brother Mac I got us one. One what? A sinner. And the pastor would take them down to the church, open the door, carry the guy down to the altar and pray for him to be saved. And he would ask Jesus into his heart. About the third or fourth night like this, on successive weekends, consecutive weekends, the pastor met Mac at the door with a key and said, Mac, I think you've done this. Seen me do this enough, you can do it by yourself. And Max said, I would never have believed someone would trust, touch, would trust me, a former hell's angel, with a key to the church. God wants to love the unlovely. And touch those who are in need of his manifest love, power, and glory, regardless of the ifs that we place upon our conditional love toward them. Or we can look at it another way. I will love you because. Now, you young men who aren't married, you're looking at your sweetheart saying, you are there is nothing that is imperfect about you. I would change nothing about you. And the next morning after the wedding night, she is not what you saw the night before. <laughs> there was no makeup. There was no jewelry. There was mushed up hair. There was no gown. There was nothing like you had ever seen about her. And you had to remember, I'm not loving you because you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'll love you because you will provide for me exactly like I want the provisions of life. But when hard time comes, where does the love go? So I love you if i love you because, but the true love is, I love you in spite of. In spite of who you are, how you look, where you go, how you live, I will love you into the kingdom of God. I will show you the way because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I will love you in spite of what you are so that I can help you become what you need to be grace and the goodness of God my friend Dave Reaver pulled a pin on a phosphorus grenade in Vietnam to burn off a field to take dead bodies when a sniper's bullet went through his hand and into the grenade and blew his head up losing his ear and his nose and his eye and deforming him forever Dave wilkerson excuse me was he was taken to the to the hospital and dave reaver was lying there in the bed and he would watch the wives as they walked in and looked at the chart at the end of the bed identifying the only thing that identified the husband with the scabbed head walk to the end of the bed where his head lay and take the wedding ring and put it on the pillow and walk out. Dave had the nurse write a letter to his wife who, by the way, just died this year and said to her, don't come. she wrote back, you weren't pretty when I married you. And walked to the foot of his bed, picked up the chart, and went up to the head of the bed and kissed his scabbed head. That was in the 60s. She just died. They were still married. Why? Because she said, I love you in spite of your deformity. I love you in spite of your weakness. I love you in spite of. Because God had given her this tremendous love that she could reach out and touch her husband and then they together could reach out and touch millions of Vietnam people and thousands of Vietnam veterans and walk into school assemblies and share with young people what God had done in his life and then have a rally that night and minister to Vietnam veterans and to those students who had come and heard him speak in school assembly that day because he had a message that we could love vertically and we could love horizontally and everything would be all right. There are three instances I'd like to share with you. One I experienced the other I heard about, and the third I read. The first one was while I was pastoring in Selma, Alabama. An airman from the air base knocked on my office door and said, would you go down to the nursing home and visit with me? We went together to Anderson Nursing Home and the first room he wanted to go to was Willie's. When we walked into the room, there lay a man with a head twice the size it should have been, no arms and no legs. And Eddie said, Willie, Most beautiful, soulish voice you've ever heard. He began, Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I starts the second chorus. To me, he is so wonderful to me, he is so wonderful to me, he is so wonderful because he first loved me. Now tears are streaming down my face. Because a man who couldn't lift his head from the pillow. Who had never reached out and touched the cheek of those he loved. Who had never known what it was to put a foot on the floor. Could sing. Oh, how I love Jesus. The second was a drunk, much like Louis on Gunsmoke or Otis on the Andy Griffith Show, just the town drunk who got saved and got into church. People in town heard about it and wondered how old John was going to make it. But not long after John got saved and got into church, he died. The house was full. To hear what the preacher had to say about old drunk John, preacher got up. The house was now full. The windows had been raised. People were standing around the perimeter of the church just to hear. And this was the witness of old John as the preacher gave the eulogy for the town drunk who now was delivered by the power of God. And at the conclusion of his message, he said, now would you stand and let's sing together. Voices rose as they sang, oh, how I love Jesus. What a testimony to everyone who came just to hear. But the third I read, it was the end of the war between the states. A man who had lost everything, including his plantation and his citizenship. Was sitting in a Presbyterian church in Virginia, not knowing what was happening in the rear of the church, except that a that a, an old black gentleman came in the door and. Presbyterian preacher was having people come and receive communion and they would kneel at the altar and he would serve in waves and they would go back to their seat and another group would come and they would kneel. The people had all but finished. The black gentleman had waited his turn. He stood to his feet and he walked down the aisle. Southern Virginians were aghast that a man of color would dare go to their altar and dare receive communion until the old gentleman who had lost his citizenship in his plantation stood to his feet and walked out into the aisle and walked behind the old black gentleman and knelt beside him at the altar pastor served them communion they stood together started down the aisle together for Robert E. Lee had shown a love that others had neglected to show now this chorus was not written way back then but I believe had it been Robert E. Lee would have been tempted to sing going down the aisle. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Now, I think I hear a slight help out there. Would you all stand? And if you can sing it with me. Oh. Truth is in the pudding. If you love, you on this side love everybody on that side. And you on this side love everybody on this side. And we all love one another. If we say we have love and don't love those other individuals, we aren't telling so what we need to do is ask God how our love relationship is with him, and I have the sneaking suspicion he's going to reply, it depends on your relationship with others, not only you came today without Jesus, let me invite you to let us love you right into the kingdom of God for that blood that was shed for you was was, was an act of love and he wants to forgive you your sins. If you came today and you're having problems with individuals and and you want God to help you resolve those differences so that there can be unadulterated love in your heart for them, I'd like to welcome you also to believe God for that. But if you came into the house and you feel unloved, and many do, let me ask you to let God wrap his arms around Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that our hearts will be open unto you, our lives will be receptive and responsive to you. I pray that we will hold nothing back, but we will give ourselves unreservedly to you and into your kingdom. Thank you. I want us to sing it one more time. And if you would like to come and have someone pray for you for any reason at all, I would invite you to come as we sing this just once again. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Thank you so much for being so attentive today, and thank you, Brother Lynn, for having us once again to come and share the word of the Lord.
1: I'll remain standing, Brother Wilson. Pastored my parents; he was the last pastor when they were active in church. So, God bless you, Brother Wilson. You laid up some treasure in heaven with Winford B. Lynn underneath you. The- <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.